a podcast where two people talk about whiskies from around the world, as well as the subject of whiskey itself, and finally review a sample at the end of each episode. Now, I know what you're thinking. Are these two people just making an excuse to drink? Well, no, because although I am a fan of whiskey, which is a good thing because it's my job to appreciate it, however, my brother and fellow co-host does not actually like whiskies. It smells weird and it's a lot of different shades. Yeah, I mean, the, the, for good reason. Good, good reasons, though. Um, some people actually like the smell. Uh, it can actually be to do with sense memory, which is something we will certainly get to at a later time. Uh, as for the taste, there's just no accounting for taste. So I'm here to educate him on the history and explain why certain ones smell like sherry, whilst others like medicine. Just why is a bottle of Macallan 18 over 200 pounds, and what's with the age thing anyway? At the end of the day, cask heads is my way of helping remove not only some misconceptions, but also to challenge the existing preconceptions towards whiskey, because it really is an interesting varied drink, and no, it's not just for older men in fancy clubs. If you have any questions, perhaps you want to try one for the first time, or maybe you're a seasoned sampler who wants to listen to two people talk and maybe learn a few things, then why not relax and just enjoy the show? But not too much, because if you're like me, you tend to listen to podcasts whilst driving your car. I like to listen to them whilst I'm going to sleep, or exercising, or walking. I really just kind of like podcasts. So first of all, I want to explain what whiskey is exactly, by going through the description, a few of the many rules, and some of the more popular types. Luke, if you have any questions, feel free to fire away. Oh, I will. I'm sure you will. Whiskey is by definition an alcoholic drink, distilled from a beer created from grain. So I just want to say this right now, no, you don't get alcohol-free whiskey, it would be a paradox. And as much as I love a good paradox, just no. Wait, whiskey's beer? You create a beer first. I super didn't know that. It's not beer that you drink. You could drink it. It would make you very, very well. It wouldn't make you very poorly, but you'd be on the toilet for a while. Um, yeah, there are stories of um, in, in the old days when health and safety and, and things weren't so strict. Some people would apparently have the beer and you'd know. Like the good old moonshine. Now, moonshine's different, we will cover that too. Uh, but yeah, in all, in all seriousness, you make a beer from the grain. We might as well get this done now. You make a beer from the grain. You basically let this ferment, you then distill the beer, and by distilling, you increase the volume, uh, which I will explain in a moment. So if you, like, I'm just picturing someone like leaving a can of beer for like 15 years and be like, it's whiskey now. No, because leaving is not distilling. Leaving is not distilling. No, I will explain distilling in a moment. I somehow blanked over the distilling part. Yeah, yeah, said. that 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 little keyword, distilling. The only thing I know about whiskey. For all you home brewers out there and home distillers, no, leaving is not distilling. God damn it! Okay, so whiskey. It must be bottled at at least 40% ABV, or alcohol by volume, and has to be aged in oak casks for a period of time. This is what gives whiskey its colour, and also is what the age on the bottle refers to. Unfortunately, it does not improve in the bottle, however on the flip side, it also does not go off. Minimum length of maturation before the spirit can be called whiskey varies depending on its currency or origin. However, many follow the Scotch Whiskey Association's rule of at least three years. You don't see many three-year bottles. You don't, but uh, that's mainly because, well, age age is a, a very big perception you get with whiskey. A lot of people presume that if it is under 10 or 12 years, 
It is a, um, it, well, it is a young whiskey, let's face it. However, if the spirit is done well, if you create a very nice spirit, the whiskey, even at three years old, is actually quite palatable, particularly peaty whiskey, which, again, I will explain later on why that works better. But three years, yeah, it's... New distilleries that are coming out today, they will do a three-year-old whiskey sometimes so that they can get cash flow in. And it's really nice to try the spirit. It's nice and unusual, but no, it will not be the finished product or particularly the flavor profile they will want to be churning out in the future. Because as you say, you just don't see three-year-old whiskeys that often. I heard you mention the other day about this whiskey. They'd taken some out of the cask as like a preview of what it will taste like when it's done. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's... But will it actually taste the same? How do you mean the, the, the preview versus when it's this done? This is the final thing because it's like years. Doesn't the years make the taste different? Oh yeah, certainly. So when you pour the spirit into a cask, it's not like you put that cask on. Well, you you, you put them in racks in, in warehouses, which is basically yeah, like a really I've big seen, shelf I've system. Seen pictures of you sit next to one. Yeah. So it's not like say you put that rack, you put that barrel away, and you think, oh okay, well this is you know twenty twenty, uh, and then you'll be like ten years from now. <laughs> 10 years from now, you're not going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, let's just go check on that. You don't forget about the casks. You are constantly, if you're good at your job anyway, you are constantly evaluating the flavor profile of what's inside the casks because sometimes the whiskey will mature quicker. Sometimes it won't be maturing as well. Also, casks spring leaks. So we kind of need to keep an eye on that as well. Does anyone like the distillery that like, just open a door and there's just like this barrel from 1900s and they're like, oh, oh. Damn it, Dave, why didn't you tell everyone about this one? Yes and no. <laughs> I can't specifically say that there was a guy named Dave that didn't tell anyone about about the 1900s. You couldn't, like, go to his grave and be like, Dave, why didn't you, Dave? But, I mean, I was but yes, in all seriousness, stock taking. stock taking now is a lot better than it used to be. There are certainly stories of barrels that have gone missing or have turned up. Sometimes, um, as a certain artist says, there are no mistakes, only happy accidents. And uh, yeah, that whiskey can have matured really well. Um, and uh, often it will be released as a limited release that they had no intention of planning because, hey, we found this amazing 25-year-old cask at the back of the warehouse that we had no idea we had. Not me specifically, I must add. Like, that would be a really cool thing for me to do, but no. Is there an age limit to whiskey? You don't see 200-year-old whiskey. No, you don't. One of the reasons for this is um, the, the strength of the whiskey. Now, as I was explaining to you, whiskey can't go below 40% ABV by law. In the casks, it starts to weaken because you're losing that alcohol every year, around 2 to 2.5%, two depending whereabouts it is in Scotland particularly. In warmer climates, it can differ, but uh, certainly in places like Scotland, it is 2 to 2.5%. Two this means that over the years, the, the strength of the alcohol in that cask will weaken. And eventually, if you're not careful, when it comes to bottling it, it kind of drops below 40%. And, and then, no, no, it is no longer whiskey. So yes, for this reason, there is actually an age limit to whiskey. The other side of it is the cask's lifespans. Now, casks, about 40 years or four fills and refills is about the lifespan of a cask before it needs to, uh, before the wood has, has uh, lost too much flavour and it doesn't really impart anything. So, like I was saying, there's these two aspects, but the big one is the 40% ABV. Casks have a roughly a 40-year lifespan. Um, after that, you have to transfer to a new cask. There's nothing against that. Uh, a lot of, lot of whiskies are, are, are 
kind of finished in different casks anyway. Transferring it to a different vessel that's exactly the same wouldn't make a difference. Uh, if you were to go from, say, an American oak cask to another American oak cask, it wouldn't um, wouldn't actually have any terrible side on the flavour. It's not, certainly not illegal. Oh, um, see, I thought it had to be in that cask. Otherwise, then it was just like, well, I guess it needs to be bottled now. No, no. I thought it went from, like, the main cask, then the flavour cask, and then it was like... The, the, all the casks give you flavour. Like, that's the point of the cask. Yeah, but it's like oak cask, and then you get special casks. Oh, okay, hang on. <clears throat> very, very important. All casks have to be made of oak. Well, I didn't think they were made of wine. No, there's different woods. In fact, as of right now, there's been a little bit of a big, big news thing in the SWA, Scotch Whiskey Association's rules, where they've actually allowed you to use some different oak casks, which is a very big deal because some people, particularly small-time producers, do feel that the SWA's um, laws, although they protect Scotch, are very constricting as well. However, traditionally, oak casks have to be used. Now, those oak casks may have held American whiskey, bourbon or rye, or even malt. Uh, they could have held sherry before. That's a sherry cask. It's still oak. Oh, I'm gonna uh, Port casks, was... wine casks. It's just the, the important thing is the wood has to be from an oak tree. I thought it was traditionally. oak cask and then whatever the flavour cask was. I didn't know wine was No, no. So, so, yeah, the, 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 the casks have to be made of oak. It's just a rule. Like I say, they've slightly changed it, but not too wildly. However, like I say, traditionally, the cask has to be made from oak, and you're getting the flavour often from the, um, the, the, the spirit or, or beverage that was previously in that cask, because it will have soaked into the wood, and then the, the, the spirit is able to, the, the, the whiskey in the making is able to draw the flavour out. You can use virgin oak casks. Virgin oak is brand new wood, never held any whiskey or anything before, you tend not to use it too much in scotch for a long period of time because you will overwhelm the flavour. It will become too woody, too spicy, and it will just remove too much of your initial spirit. It can work if it's done well, but certainly not for a long period of time. Usually four and a half to five years is the max you look at. Sometimes six, although I have seen 10-year-old virgin oak casks. I personally was not a fan of it. Nothing wrong with the, the whiskey makers themselves. It's just it had become too woody. Slightly a diverging. American whiskey bourbon and rye has to use virgin oak by law. That is a law that is set in the American um, laws. I'm so sorry, America. Constitution? No, it's not the Constitution. That's different. That's, 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 <laughs> bur bourbon and rye did not. I don't think bourbon and rye made it into the Constitution. I've never read it. They could say anything as far as I'm concerned. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. Uh, no. Um, the rules protecting bourbon and rye do state that it must use a virgin oak cask from the, uh, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this, Ozark Mountains. I am so sorry to anyone who lives in or around that area, or who is just genuinely offended by that. I, I need to learn how you pronounce that mountain range. That's just America that needs those ones. That's said in the American rules. Right, yeah. Uh, if, you're, you, if you're making cask. bourbon or rye whiskey, if you make a malt whiskey or a corn whiskey, which are other types you can do in America, God, we are just jumping ahead. Like, oh, this is like paragraphs down. Whew. Um, yeah, if you use malt or corn, yeah, it's not quite subject to the same rules, and you can use um, used casks, effectively. You can reuse a cask. If you had whiskey and you aged it for three years in a cask, right? If I had whiskey. If you imagine you have whiskey, I know we're surrounded by it, but imagine you had whiskey, not that whiskey. So it's been matured in a 
the three is in a cask. Yeah. yeah and yeah, it yeah, was yeah. like. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm imagining class. this. I mean, I'm, I'm in this, this, this world years, of imagination. So it wasn't aging correctly, right? Oh, you're hitting a really fun point now. And then you put it into an, a cask again. Yeah. It obviously hasn't aged in the glass time. Yep, 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 yep. Um, does it still count? Yes, it does. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, we are on a. Oh, that was the next thing I was going to say. You don't use glass. You could, but you don't. Erosion. You use. No, whiskey does not. <laughs> when was the last time you saw whiskey erode its way through glass? Bearing in mind that is the very container that you sell it in. Yeah. It will it. rot the cork. It will rot the cork. Won't I buy. was going to ask because wine does that. Yep, yep. No, uh, so yeah, uh, you can't store whiskey on its side. Because the alcohol will rot the cork and you get an expensive puddle. You can store it upright, it's no problem. Um, going back to what you were saying, actually, this is so cool that you're like on the same wavelength. Like, are you a natural? Have you, have you done this before? Be honest. Do you work for Diageo? So, no, what you can do, this is actually a really good point. And what they do in the industry is say you have it maturing. Uh, like, you, you use three years example, but it could be any period of years, really. You can then put it into a stainless steel container and it will not, uh, it will not change the flavor because it's all sealed and it will not uh, add anything to it stainless steel won't add anything to the flavor it just keeps it in a state of limbo effectively you can then transfer it into a different casks and further mature it it is the age is only the time it spends in the oak casks not the stainless steel container no different to the principle of when you distill the spirits as you know it's clear as i've told you uh it looks like water if you were to tanker it to be filled in a warehouse or whatever uh, uh, to be to filled into casks it would the age of the time transported in the tanker, because it's a steel tanker, would not affect the flavor in any way. Yes, it normally takes a standard route, but let's say it could, there was a holdup. Um, it, it wouldn't change the flavor profile. So you can seal it in a stainless steel vat, effectively, and keep it in this kind of state of being until it's ready for the next cast. Surely not for so long, because chemical reactions would still happen. Uh, maybe. Like I say, I'm not a chemist. Um, but stainless steel is a pretty, pretty thorough neutral kind of thing when it comes to whiskey. This is kind of getting into something I was trying to get to, which we've gone so far off topic. Back to distillation. This is going to go a little bit full loop. When you distill, it has to be done on a copper still. Not, not necessarily just copper pot still, which is great for single malt. You have to use a copper pot still for a single malt, but you, your stills have to have copper in them. This is really important because basically... Copper removes, um, well, sulfur compounds. We're getting a little bit into the chemistry, and I will admit, I, I know enough, but I don't know everything on this side. Uh, it, it, uh, there's a lattice effect to copper, and it will kind of draw in the sulfur compounds, and it will remove impurities from the spirit. The longer it's in the still, the more impurities get removed, the lighter the spirit becomes. They have, in the past, tried to use stainless steel stills because copper is very expensive, um, to produce, as simple as that. It, it is, stills are very, very expensive. It's phenomenal. However, when they've used stainless steel, the stainless steel did not react with the sulfur whatsoever, and the resulting spirit was, um, well, it was, it was reportedly very pungent, very um, kind of, well, sulfurous, exactly. So you're getting these kind of cabbagey, very vegetable, veg vegetal kind of uh, flavors. Um, egg. egg, yeah, certainly egg. And they always say sweaty socks, but I don't smell sweaty socks, I have to say. Like, I just yeah. don't go around like, oh, yes, I've been to the gym. I don't go to the gym. <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, this smells like this. Yes. No, I, I don't smell sweaty socks. I I mean, like vegetables, I come across those in my day-to-day -day life sometimes. vegetables smell like sulfur. Egg no, is the most famous when, one. Yeah, egg is the most famous one. But you know, like stewed cabbage? 
that kind of pungent aroma that you can sometimes get. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of the way that the spirit can go through, and it, it's it's certainly not sought after. Now, just because the spirit doesn't spend so long in the cast, uh, so long in the stills rather, and sometimes some of these sulfurous compounds come out, not necessarily a bad thing because sometimes that suits the style of whiskey you're going through. Because don't forget, you have the uh, cask influence on top where it can really react with some of these sulfurous compounds. So you don't have to get rid of all of them. Some distilleries tend to like to get rid of as many as possible to create a very light style. For instance, Glenmorangie or Glengoyne, both of those are wonderful, light, gentle scotches. Um, and and so you, you sometimes you like to keep a little bit of that robustness to your spirit. I have another thought game for you. Now, whiskey's distilled in copper, which is as you just said. It's distilled so, in stills, but yeah. Yeah, but copper stills. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, technically, copper would still erode slowly but surely. Oh, yeah, certainly it does. Which means that some of the copper would go into the whiskeys. It does. So, which means, eventually, if you drink enough whiskeys... No, you don't become copper man. I know where you're no, going. You're, you're not going to be... get metal poisoning. <laughs> okay. First uh, of all, the num the amount of whiskey to drink to give you metal poisoning? Wow. Your liver would have gone long before then. Yeah, no. But imagine you you're some kind of cyborg liver man. Yeah, okay, so so okay, so I'm some kind of cyborg liver man. But has there been research done on the effects yes, of yes. copper um, on the human body? Uh there there is. Uh, in all seriousness, no, the copper well well there probably is a negligible, very, very negligible kind of parts per million copper content left. It really With doesn't affect us. No, 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 no. Because like just let me finish. <laughs> <coughs> so, yes. <laughs> Technically a little bit of copper will make it through. Uh, however, most of it actually gets removed with the uh, excess byproducts, um the the kind of the, the, the rest of the beer that isn't used, more of the solid grist stuff. And it actually ends up being spread on fields uh, for cattle, um, because they actually love the the, the grains that, that's left. What's We're left of it? Secretly getting cows drunk. We're secretly getting cows drunk. However, that there has a been conspiracy theory. There's been a lot of research into the negative side of too much copper in the ground, because yes, in small amounts it probably benefits the cows. It gives them some supplements. Copper's good for you in a small amount. I'm sure someone's done the research. And so there is also research on going to make sure that not too much copper goes into the ground and uh, affects agriculture. Some places will have uh, specialized water beds where they can help filtrate some of this stuff out. It, it, it is a very big concern of, of the environmental impact of distilling as well. Um, and yes, in the past, no one really thought about this stuff. These days, we obviously care a lot more about what the environment, uh, how, how we fit the environment. So now, obviously, Sorry, going back to casks. Yes. When they're in there, evaporation happens. Wine yes. sediments. Mm-hmm. Does whiskey? In, in like a cask, is it like a, you, you like get, a little You do get sediment. Not from the spirit. You get sediment from the oak. Little bits of oak chip oh, will fall okay. away from the casks. There may well have been some sediment from previous things inside there. Like you say, maybe there was some wine sediment in there. I don't know. Um, I mean, you tend to char the... No, actually, I take that back. You can't, because you char the casks. You wouldn't get wine sediment. You char the casks before the whiskey goes into it, usually. So it'll be oak chippy kind of sediment. I have... I can't find it now. I have a bottle somewhere that... Is maybe this one? No. Uh, I do have some whiskeys where you still have, like, little bits of sediment floating around in them, because they've kind of done the bare minimum filtration where it's kind of gone through a sieve, but some of the pieces might have gone through. 
I certainly don't drink the wood, but it's kind of nice to see such a such an operation where you do get all literally all the cask flavor. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so like I say, we've gone a little bit out of order, but hey, we covered actually some really interesting stuff. Yeah, you've learned some things. Okay, now on to the final section of this podcast. Given that the subject is whiskey, I thought we should probably sample something. Now, I know you're not a fan. I, I, I know that. But at least you can try and nose the spirit of uh, the, the sample I've poured for you. I chose Oban 14 because it is literally the first single malt I ever tried. And I felt it's only fitting to use on this episode. In the future, we'll have samples relevant to the topics we discuss in each uh, in each coming episode. The benefit of this is there was no one particular topic. I could have picked any whiskey. I just wanted to use Oban 14. A little bit of history. Oban is a highland malt from the west coast of Scotland, and the distillery is rather small. It's situated in the town of Oban, big surprise, where actually the town grew up around the distillery. Uh, this is actually a slight problem for Oban because they can't expand. It's small, isn't it? Like it's a, it's a tiny place. Oh, it's a really small distillery. And they can't expand because there are buildings and cliffs all around them. It's also really quite funny because Oban's a lovely small distillery and it's owned by the biggest drinks company in the world, or alcoholic drinks company in the world, certainly, which is called Diageo. Uh, Diageo also own brands like Johnny Walker and Lagavulin. They own so many distilleries. It is phenomenal. And also, I should I should know, I don't know if I said this earlier on, it was built in 1794, Oban, which is uh, quite an old distillery. I don't know how old whiskey is. I assumed it was like way... So anyway, I've, I've prepared in a Capita nosing glass, which is a really pretentious nosing glass, but very handy, uh, a sample of Oban 14 for you to yeah, nose. Okay. No, 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 you have one. You have one. Oh. You have oh. one. It's been sat there in front of you the whole episode. It was behind the microphone. Oh, do I have to swill it? I swill it. I swill it. It's personal. With the lid on? I prefer you didn't swill whiskey all over the microphone. I know what you like with things. This is the same person who holds things upside down to see if they're full. No, I just hold them upside down so that thing. I don't see if they're full that way. That would be ridiculous. Sherry? Okay, we're going to do what I did last time. Nose it. Mm. Go back to the... Nose it. Sweet or dry? It's a it's a dry sweet. It's, it's a like dry sweet, sweet and then the dry gets you. It, it, does, it does remind me a bit of sherry, though. I'm going to do it. Would you say it's more of a honey sweetness or more of a rich sweetness? <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, no. When, when you're inhaling, don't just like... Because <laughs> yeah, that's like 40% ABV. We covered that. That's going to sting a little bit. Well, I, th- I was just smelling it. <laughs> no, I don't get either. Uh, uh, what was it? Honey or... Um... I'd say Oban 14 has more of a honeyed sweetness to it. I mean, I suppose technically I'm cheating. I know it does. Um, it's not dissimilar to things like Scapa as a spirit. Scapa has a wonderful, like, honeyed sweetness to it. What about fruits? You getting any kind of fruits? No. I eat fruit. This is not the smell of fruit. I'd say, again, I'm cheating. I know the answer. Or I know, okay, there is no right or wrong answer. It, like I say, sense memory is a very big aspect of, of nosing whiskeys. Everyone picks up different things. However, I know some of the more common things that most people pick up with Oban. Like I say, there is that honeyed sweetness. There is also actually a little bit of citrusiness to be found to Oban. Oban is technically peaty, very, very slightly. I, It's subtle. It doesn't seem peaty to me because I don't like the peaty ones. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It is very, very subtle. You, you, you really have to search for it, but it's there. 
Maybe there's a tang of orange, but the feel, the thing is, is that now you've said it. Exactly. There's that argument or suggestion. It's like when we were nosing that other whiskey the other day, and you said you said licorice, and then for the first time, I went, oh yeah, actually, I do find licorice to this whiskey. Yeah. I nosed that whiskey like, well, several times. But yeah, so there's this, there's a little bit of sweetness, there's a little bit of a, kind of a, um, a citrusiness to open, a little bit of smokiness, and there is not so much on the nose, but particularly on the palate, there is a little bit of a sea saltiness to open, which I, I explained to you slightly earlier on. Now, yeah, so I do also, I like to taste whiskey because it's a drink. Yes, there's the alcoholic side of it, but genuinely I am fascinated with the flavours you get from whiskey. And like I say, on, on, particularly on the finish, there's three very important stages to whiskey. You have the nose, as we did at the start. Although I'd argue before the nose, you have the 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 um the, the color of the whiskey and and the legs doesn't really work with an audio format. The legs. Uh, the the legs will be added into when I type the notes up. I'll show you what I mean about the legs with some pictures. But for example, do you see how these quite the, the little like droplets running down the side? Yeah. They're quite wide apart. Okay, so this oh, actually that actually changes. Oh yeah, this is actually a really good point. So that's why I swill it, actually. That's one of the big reasons. Yes, swilling it releases flavours, but it also shows you the legs. I can tell a lot about this whiskey before I even tried it. The colour is rather light. That tells me it's American oak cast matured, as I told you. It's relatively dark for an American oak cast, so there's probably a bit of an age there. The legs are slow moving and wide apart. They're really quite wide. And that tells me that there's quite a bit of oiliness to this, the, the viscosity of the liquid. The, the, the spirit is quite oily and there's probably a few more impurities have come through. So it's it's definitely different to things like Glenmorangie where you have lighter spirit. Um, I will certainly in another episode deliberately find one, shouldn't be too hard, uh, find a whiskey where the legs are quite close together just to show you this. It is really is a, a useful I thing. never thought that would be yeah. a thing. I mean, obviously. So you hold it up and you can see how the legs run. That tells you that. Then you get to the nosing. Like I say, you get a, you have a lot more senses in your nose than you do in your mouth, as, as everyone know, or most people know. You, I really tend to nose whiskey a lot. I will spend a long time nosing the whiskey. And then you get the taste. And so you have the initial mouthfeel where I will roll it around my mouth. <sighs> wow, real mature. Mouthfeel is a real thing. Uh, I just want to get that out there. It just sounds um, so, so dumb. Okay, I, I've watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I've seen Boyle. I'm not <laughs> talking about pizza. Okay, Jake? Not talking about pizza. Mouthfeel is genuinely a thing. Some whiskeys will have a creamier mouthfeel. Some of them can be lighter. Um, but you also get some initial flavours coming out. Particularly, I find sweeter things you can pick up on initially. You tend to be more... Uh, well, you can be sensitive to the bitter ones as well. I tend to like... I tend to notice the sweeter things because... Your body ex ex responds well, to it as a reward, isn't it? That's, that's the thing. Tooth, so I do have I a bit like of sweet you tooth would too. Pick up on the sweeter things easier than me because I don't. After you've let it uh, coat your mouth, you pick up a few more flavors and then you swallow the whiskey. As it goes down, you tend to get okay. We call it the burn, but professionally, it's called the finish. Everyone knows what I'm on about here. Come on, it's 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 that feel of it warming you on the way down. However, you also get some feeling of uh, lingering flavours, particularly in, in, in the throat. And I often will find if there's a lot of spice, it will make itself more prevalent in the finish. Um, often peat does as well. Peat lasts a really long time. It gives you a really nice, long, warming smokiness. But also, 
there's a little bit of a dryness to the finish on Open 14. So it starts off sweet. And even on the finish, there's a little bit of sweetness. But I'd say that the dryness just starts to make itself more prevalent. And uh, that's what that's what I consider to be a more complex dram. I have nothing wrong with drams that are lovely and sweet or drum, drums that can be really dry. It's all down to the um, all down to the time that you're drinking it. However, a complex dram will go through these wonderful stages of drinking it and you will get sweetness, you will get dryness and there'll be a wonderful balance to it. You wanna, you, do you want to try it out of curiosity? No, I don't want to drink it. No, you told me it's dry because I really don't like dry at all. So that concludes the tasting of Open 14. I will post up the official kind of right tasting notes of this as well. Uh, it will be accompanied with the podcast on our website, Caskheads. As always, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It really does help new shows. If you have any questions, feel free to email me by going on our website or clicking on the link in the description. If you do like the show and want to support us a little, you can donate on our website. I assure you donations won't get spent on whiskey, but instead towards coffee, tea and helping the show. I also need to say a big thank you to Adrian and Alison Murray, owners of the Wee Dram Whiskey Shop in Baykul, Derbyshire. The shop has a wide range of whiskies available as well as a few gins, and they will always give you their honest opinion and advice, and are just genuinely good people. Well, that's it for today, and I will leave you with one editing goof. See you. You don't see many Korea or Bob. No, you don't. But. Three-year-old would only be okay. That's a right? six-year-old was dead. I didn't know that. Jumpy's like, I can't read numbers. <laughs> I, I honestly thought that was a new distillery.